Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. As I normally would be joined by Alex Uplinger, but he had to take the week off uh, with uh, a wedding, I believe, in the shitty part of Jersey, the northern part of the state. South Jersey native talking right here, and I can tell you uh, that it is pork roll, not Taylor Ham. If we have any North Jersey listeners tuning in, I told Alex to give everybody a peace of my mind. Uh, up there in North Jersey. So uh, he's at a wedding this weekend and uh, couldn't make it for our Thursday evening recording. And uh, hey, that's what I'm here for, to fly solo and have a little fun myself and hopefully give you a few winners along the way as it is championship Sunday. Sad but true that we only have three more football games left until the fall, but that's where we're at. And uh, we might as well talk about them and hopefully find you some winners along the way as the Kansas City Chiefs meet the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game and the San Francisco 49ers look to make it a three-peat of victories over the LA Rams this year, won both regular season meetings. That is your NFC Championship game at SoFi Stadium. Uh, let's just jump right in. I, I'll be honest, I have a couple props I like in the AFC game. I don't have uh, play on the side or the total for that matter, uh, but I will get to the plays I like in both games. I do like the side in the NFC game. So we'll start though with the first game and that's the one at Arrowhead. Cincinnati, a seven point underdog, excuse me, in Kansas City, total of 54 and the hook. So a total that's even slightly higher than the total that we saw last week between Kansas City and Buffalo. And I will say this, if you're interested in the side, I'd probably try and find a seven as quickly as I could on the Kansas City side because my book is dealing minus seven, minus 20 on Kansas City. And again, it certainly looks like that juice has us trending towards seven and the hook. So if you want to plug your nose, and Alex always talks about ugly dogs. Uh, By the way, follow him at uh, at full underscore slate underscore pod, managing the podcast Twitter, and at Alex underscore up seven on his own Twitter as well. But he always talks about ugly dogs, and that's that's Cincinnati this week. I mean, listen, it's weird to say because the Bengals just beat this team two weeks ago or three weeks ago uh, in the beginning of January. 
And that actually is the reason that Kansas City wasn't the number one seed and had the Bengals lost last week in Nashville. The Titans would have hosted the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, So it looked like that might have been a damaging loss for Kansas City in Cincinnati at the beginning of the month. But instead, Kansas City gets to host this game against Cincinnati. And like I said, the Bengals won and nobody's really giving them a chance here. And you know what? I get it, right? They're, it feels like they're like the fun little Cinderella, if you want to use that term, and the clock is going to strike midnight here. The Bengals have played a couple of good playoff games. Their defense, I think, has been particularly good against both Tennessee and Las Vegas. But obviously a step up in class here when you're talking about welcoming in the, or excuse me, traveling to Arrowhead Stadium. By the way, Joe Burrow saying that uh, the uh, quote that has resurfaced this week, Burrow, uh, I, I can't remember when he said it now, but talked about how none of the NFL stadiums are as loud as uh, the stadiums are in the SEC. Well, <laughs> I think uh, the uh, Arrowhead faithful might have something to say about that on Sunday. So it's definitely a tough spot for Cincinnati. Are the Bengals going to be in over their heads, you know, having had this excellent season and, you know, in a spot now where it just feels like, uh, they're going to be outclassed, and you have a Kansas City offense that is just humming. You know, I believe it's 84 points they've scored in two games, and you know when you talk about the de- the offenses that the Cincinnati defense faced the first two weeks of the playoffs, obviously the Raiders nowhere near the level that the Chiefs are, and and the Titans when they're good can be a pretty good offense, but they just didn't have it last week. And, you know, Derrick Henry was a little bit of a shell of himself. We talked about that under rushing yards prop being something we were looking at. And Ryan Tannehill just didn't play well enough. And so here we are now with Kansas City uh, playing Cincinnati. And and again, it's just going to be a very tall order of business for the Cincinnati defense. And I think when you look at the fact that Kansas City just played a slugfest last week against Buffalo... And you have another quarterback with some weapons here in Burrow and Jamar Chase and the boys. You can understand why this total is as high as it is at 54 and a half. Seems like there's a lot of, uh, you know, over money coming in, team total over money coming in. So, uh, again, I think the books are going to be rooting like hell for the unders as they were last week. And, uh, you know, allow me to get some salt off my chest as if it weren't for 4th and 13 last week, Buffalo converts and gets the touchdown to Gabe Davis to take the lead, we would have hit the under. Alex and I gave it out as a consensus play. Buffalo would have turned the ball over on downs. Granted, we would have needed a first down, but the game would have ended 26-21 Kansas City at that point. So, not that I'm still mad about it or anything, but I did have to bring it up. And uh, so, uh, anyway, when I look at this game, uh, I, I think... For me, the side is tough because I don't like being on the big public favorite in a game that's going to be such heavily bet the way Kansas City is. But I'm not going to tell you that Cincinnati is is the side here. Like I said, it's an ugly dog. And listen, I'll never fault anybody for plugging their nose and going with an ugly dog. I think those are some of the more fun bets to cash when it's you against the world almost on the ugly dog. And it, that's to an extent what we might see here. I mean, I mentioned this number trending towards seven in the hook. Wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing eights, eight and a half pop, maybe even some nines. Books starting to look for that teaser protection. Come kick off. You know that a lot of public bettors are going to come in and start hammering Kansas City even more on Sunday morning. 
Uh, but I'm going to look to the prop market here for some plays in this game. And I want to give a shout out to our new sponsor here at Full Slate uh, as it is Prize Picks uh, that Alex uh, got us linked up with. So I want to shout out the crew there at Prize Picks. I downloaded the app. There's a lot of intriguing props that you can play around with, daily fantasy options as well. And um, I guess I'll just start with a couple of unders because here's the thing, right? You have to understand that in these kinds of games, like the game might go over the total, both teams might go over their respective team totals, but that doesn't mean all the props are going over as well. And so normally I'll look for uh, an angle or two of a guy that maybe is playing well of late or that might be a good fade in the prop market or, you know, in the case of the Cincinnati prop, I'm going to give out somebody that I think might just have been phased out of the game plan. And so that's where our buddies at Prize Picks have been able to help us out as uh, they got a lot of offerings, as I said, that are worth checking out. And uh, you should head over, download their app, and uh, take a look at some of their offerings. All of the users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players and can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers or mass or mass multi-entry it's just you versus the projection prize picks allows mixed sport entries you can take the over on Luka Doncic parlayed with the under on Patrick Mahomes prize picks has a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play prize picks receives an average of a 4.8 star rating in the app store so Without further ado, actually, I also want to include that it is not valid in Arizona, Colorado, Delaware, Hawaii, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, and Washington. So hopefully, uh, if you're listening, you're in one of those states I did not just mention. But anyway... Uh, the plays I'm looking at here in this game, I first want to talk about a guy that's kind of been coming on a little bit for Kansas City, who I think is a good fade here, and it's going to be Byron Pringle. And I'm going to look to go under 33.5 yards for Byron Pringle. I'll also probably look to play his under receptions at 3.5. The last time the Bengals played the Chiefs, Byron Pringle only had three catches, and that was in a slugfest high-scoring game. It's not to say we won't get that here, but I think there's an interesting matchup that maybe works to Cincinnati's advantage if you're playing Byron Pringle's unders. Chidobia Wuzier is the top outside corner for Buffalo, or excuse me, for Cincinnati. He's the highest ranked PFF corner on the roster for the Bengals. And he is going to be lined up with Byron Pringle a lot, and you say, well, wouldn't he be working on Tyreek Hill? Well, Tyreek Hill lines up in the slot for about 50% of the snaps that he plays on offense. So uh, 
I think that Byron Pringle is going to see a lot of Chidobe Awuzie. And if you're Kansas City, you're going to probably look to exploit the middle of the field with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey a lot in this game anyway. I think the Stars probably show out for both of these teams here like we saw in the regular season matchup. And again, I think it's a sneaky matchup that works to Cincinnati's advantage in terms of Byron Pringle. And I think it is kind of selling stock at the top of the market with Byron Pringle. He's allowed five straight uh, or excuse me, he has, has three consecutive games with five receptions in each one. He scored three touchdowns so far in the playoffs. So I would look to fade Byron Pringle and expect him to just fall out of favor a little bit given the fact that it seems like a middle-of-the-field type of game for Kansas City offensively, which would be where they would look to attack. And so I think Jadobi Awuzie will do a good enough job on Byron Pringle. I'll go under 33.5 yards and under 3.5 receptions for Byron Pringle. Like I said, on the side, I would lean with Kansas City. I just hate being on that big public over public side, home chalk, massively bet playoff game. Usually not my cup of tea. Uh, and same thing on the total, where it's like, okay, I, I, I last week I plugged my nose and bet under. As I said, I felt like it was a little closer than uh, the score may have indicated, given the fact that we were a fourth down conversion there. Fourth and 13 and couldn't get it home when Kansas City led 26-21. So, you know, as far as this matchup is concerned, Kansas City should... There's no reason to think that if the number one total defense in Buffalo could not slow down Pat Mahomes and the boys, that it would be any different here with Cincinnati. And again, it's a massive step up in class for the Bengals, right? Where their defense... It's one thing to lock up Derek Carr and the Raiders and Ryan Tannehill when he's playing as poorly as he played last week. Good luck expecting that kind of performance from Patrick Mahomes. So Byron Pringle unders are, are my play, and hopefully that's uh, some stuff you're not getting uh, on any other podcasts. Uh, so again, it's Pringle under 3.5 receptions and under 33.5 yards. I also want to look to Tyler Boyd in this game and play his under on his receptions prop. Uh, I believe uh, Prize Plays had him at four receptions for the game. And I'm going to look to play him under that number. Basically, and I like his receptions under more than I like his yards under. Uh, at uh, His yards is at 36 and a half. Uh, but I look overall at Boyd and just get a feel that he's kind of been phased out of the game plan. His receptions is at four. And I think the big thing that stands out to me here in taking this under on Tyler Boyd is the fact that Joe Mixon's targets have gone up. He's averaging Mixon, that is, almost seven targets per game in the month of January. That's a 17% target share. That's more than Boyd in terms of targets and target share. So Mixon is being utilized a lot out of the backfield. We know Jamar Chase is getting his. And so I feel like you're basically just boiling, like, boiling it down to Uh, Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins in terms of who's been less of a factor. And lately, it's been Tyler Boyd. Mixon was only averaging, back to his targets, only averaging 2.5 targets per game in weeks 1 through 15. And now he's all the way up to 7 targets per game. So again, something has changed philosophically with Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati offense to the point where they want to try and utilize Joe Mixon more out of the backfield as a receiver. Kansas City is number 10 overall, by the way, in DVOA against the short passes of 15 air yards or less, which also makes me think uh, that the way to attack would be more down the field. CJ Uzama up the seam, obviously Jamar Chase. And also, let's be honest, if you're Cincinnati, I think it 
goes without saying that you want to try and play ball control to the best of your ability because, as I said, you don't necessarily expect the Cincinnati defense to hold Mahomes and the boys at bay, so you might as well try and run the ball a bunch with Mixon and look up and maybe you see a you know, 23-17 score after three quarters. You'd be very pleased with that, uh, even if you're trailing and you're Cincinnati, if it's a one-score game in the upper teens, low 20s, heading into the fourth. So, Tyler Boyd receptions under Byron Pringle, under three and a half receptions, and under 33 and a half yards for me in the AFC game. Let's go to the NFC game where I do like the side in this one as San Francisco travels down I-5. I suppose they're probably flying, but nonetheless, three and a half. The Rams are laying it at SoFi, total of 46 I mean, come on. If you listen to us, we know, you know we love Kyle Shanahan in this underdog role. We love him against Sean McVay. 7-3 and three against the spread is Kyle Shanahan. That's right. I'm taking the 49ers plus 3 and the hook. And I think it's important to get that hook because the juice is on the 3 and the hook, meaning I would expect that number to perhaps close at 3. And listen, here's the thing. I think that... There's a narrative out there, and not that it's completely untrue, about Jimmy Garoppolo and how they're winning in spite of him, yada, yada, yada. They got to the Super Bowl two years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo, and basically, he just needs to not suck, okay? And he sucked last week against Green Bay, and the the 49ers were able to slide by and uh, get the special teams touchdown and walk the game off at the buzzer at Snowy Lambeau Field last week. So they're able to win a game at Lambeau when Garoppolo is terrible. And by the way, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, bad drops in that game. Think about what they could do here against a Rams team. Excuse me. Uh, if uh, Shanahan and Garoppolo are able to just have a half-decent offensive attack. That's how well the 49ers defense is playing. I'll get to the Niners defense in a minute as far as why I like the side here. But... In two games this year against the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo, 498 yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like... And by the way, that's also a 74.5% completion rate. So it's not as if the offense for the 49ers is inept against the Rams, which I know right now that Rams pass rush has been dominant. But... San Francisco, I think, systemically, like, I think this is a very real trend, the Shanahan-McVay stuff. Because San Francisco, I think, systemically has been able to find holes to attack in the Rams' defense. And what you look at primarily when they play these games is the middle of the field is usually where Kyle Shanahan wants to attack. And if Jalen Ramsey is going to block out Debo Samuel from this game, well, guess what? George Kittle is going to have to be George Kittle. But he has been, in his career, 78.5 yards per game receiving against the Rams is what Kittle is averaging. Brandon Ayuk, we would expect to be a factor in the short passing game over the middle of the field. Elijah Mitchell hasn't been great out of the backfield, but I think we might see a little more Jeff Wilson Jr. in this game as well. And we know that Kyle Shanahan usually likes to mix in his backs, whether it be in the receiving game 
or we know how heavy of a run attack San Francisco likes to attack opposing defenses with. Jermichael Hasty, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert, whoever's out there, they pound the rock. All of that makes me think, again, the middle of the field is where Kyle Shanahan has looked to attack in the past and will continue to look to here. And if Trent Williams is able to go, then you're talking about an elite tackle that is able to limit that pass rush a little bit, whether it be Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, whoever he gets matched up with. So there's enough mitigation tactics that Shanahan is usually able to deploy against this Rams defense. And Garoppolo has held his own in these matchups. And here's the other thing. Clearly, you don't want the 49ers, if you're a Niner backer, you don't want them to get back down the way they did in the Week 18 regular season finale. But when you see them come back and win a game like that, it only reassures the fact, in my opinion, as a Niners backer here, that Garoppolo will be confident, and he will not lay the same egg that he laid against Green Bay last week. So all of those things are reasons for me to think the San Francisco offense will bounce back. And then when I look at the San Francisco defense, I mean, D'Amico Ryans has these guys buzzing. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if D'Amico Ryans resurfaced, or, well, I say resurfaced. He did interview with the Minnesota Vikings. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if he is a head coach at this time next year. Because the 49ers, that was a defensive masterpiece at Lambeau Field last week. And the best thing is they're getting pressure without blitzing. That's how good their front four is. And we all know about Nick Bosa, but there's a lot of other rotational pass rushers that have been making an impact for San Francisco. And what that does is it allows them to drop more linebackers in coverage, and it allows them to help their corners and their secondary where there's more problem areas for offenses to exploit. And if they're able to play as well as they played last week against the Packers at Lambeau, forget as well, maybe even three quarters or 80% as well then they can win. And it's big trouble for Matt Stafford. Because again, if they can go to Aaron Rodgers' house and play that well, then how well do you think the defense could play here? And again, it all comes back to the front four and how much pressure they can generate without blitzing. Because if you're able to help your corners and help out against Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr., then life gets a lot easier. So, I think really at all three levels of the defense, San Francisco is coming into its own. These This might be the best two defenses in the entire NFL. And right now, they're both playing really well. So it comes down to which of these offensive minds do you trust more to scheme more things open and to find holes in opposing defenses that are firing on all cylinders? And the plain, cold, hard truth is that it's Kyle Shanahan and the offensive genius that he is because time and time again, he has just been a step ahead of Sean McVay. And again, I think there's something to that when it comes to the middle of the field stuff, George Kittle having good games routinely against the Rams. I'm sure they'll still find ways to get Debo Samuel the ball. But I will take Kyle Shanahan over Sean McVay every time until I lose. So I'm doing it again here.
bang, bang, Niner gang, plus three and a half to wrap things up here on a very rapid-fire Championship Sunday edition of Full Slate. Again, my name is Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Shoot Alex a follow as well. We'll give him a free pass for not showing up today. At Alex underscore up seven, at full underscore slate underscore pod. He manages the podcast Twitter as well. That'll do it for another edition of Full Slate. Everyone, enjoy Championship Sunday. And again, my name is Greg Frank. As I always say, please play responsibly.